I'm Nicole Zuckerman, who you probably know as the crop top wearer, and this is Desert Island Jams with Sarah Spoon. I'm Sarah Spoon, and this is Desert Island Jams, a monthly podcast where I sit down with music geeks from the partner dance community and talk about the 10 songs that they would take with them if they were stranded on a desert island with a really tiny MP3 player. My guest this episode is Nicole Zuckerman, a dancer and software developer living in New York City. Nicole's first love was tap, and then they discovered Lindy Hop and everything went out the window by all accounts. Sometimes they DJ at events like ILHC, Lindy Focus, Swinging at Savoy, Parang. So, you know, you may have heard of these things. Sometimes they teach dance, sometimes they compete, but mostly they social dance. Aside from music and dance, Nicole is deeply passionate about social justice, puppies, gardening, and is a voracious reader of fantasy and sci-fi. Welcome to Desert Island Jams. Thank you. It's really nice to be on here with you, which is also half of a lie because I'm terrified, but nice also. It's going to be fine. I will be very gentle with you. Thank you. It is my first time. I appreciate that. So on a scale of one to 10, how dreadful was it collating your list? Oh, it was like a... I'm not going to say it was a 20 because... I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it was like a nine. It was every song that I had to cut out of the like top 20 was like painful to my soul. Did you approach it as um this is my ultimate top 10 forever and ever, or this is the soundtrack to my movie of my time on a desert island, or is it a little bit of both? <laughs> the way that I interpreted it was if I was going to be trapped on a desert island for the rest of my life, what 10 songs would I never get tired of? What do I know I will never not want to hear? And so you'll probably notice that like the music that I've chosen ends in like 1995 or something like that. And that's because I've had like 20 years to figure out I will never get tired of this. (laughs) Whereas like new artists, I... I might love them, but I'm not sure that I won't get sick of them in a decade. I'm very conservative in this way. The youngest song you have is from 2004. Oh, that's better than I thought. So I'm pretty sure, you know, the honeymoon period is over and, you know, we've gone through our troubles and then, you know, we made it work. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy for you and may you and your 10 be bathed in sunshine always. That is the dream. Talk to me about your first track. I think when I started off, I was thinking about the dance community. And so the first song where I was like, I want to have this on my desert island with me forever is Duke Ellington's Rockin' in Rhythm. I mean, like, it's just, I, it's iconic. It just feels so good. And I get so jonesed every time I hear it that I was just like thinking about being part of the dance community. This is the song that epitomizes it for me. So that's when I, my starting point. Mm. I, I describe it as a jazz banger. yep yep it definitely is it's uh it just hits so hard and duke has such a such a range 
of music that he created that I feel like Rocket and Rhythm, the one um, live in Newport, has these like movements to it that are like really distinct, but like so well integrated as part of a whole. And then man, like that ending also just really gets me. It makes me, it reminds me a little bit of musical theater, which is my home that I originally come from. It like takes you on a journey with it. And then at the end, you're like, yes. There's no musical theater on this list. There is no musical theater on this list. That's true. I didn't even consider it, actually. I feel like those are in a separate compartment in my brain, and I didn't even open that door. I think I would need a whole separate 10 for musical theater, so let's just pretend that they don't exist. <laughs> I find it interesting that you've you've done a, a double Duke. Why Duke and not Basie? Why did I double down on Duke? Do you pledge allegiance to the flag of the Duke? <laughs> These days, yeah, I really do. When I started out my DJing journey, I was way more into Basie, and I actually wasn't really a huge Duke fan. That switch came, I don't know, like maybe five or seven years into DJing and like suddenly I just could not get enough Duke. I was actually there's a story behind this. So I was doing a like battle of the DJs with Manu. He was like, we're gonna do this one. It's Basie versus Duke. I pick Basie. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm doing Duke then, even though like my comfort zone would have been Basie. And so I did like a ton of research and I asked everyone like what's your favorite Duke? got such a great introduction to the breadth and depth of Duke. And then after that, I was just madly in love and I could not get enough. I still love Basie a lot, but I think that Duke moves me and changes me when I listen to it rather than Basie makes me feel home and Duke makes me push my boundaries. I know other people have different preferences for their favorite version of Rockin' and Rhythm, but like this one just really, it really hits me in the hard place.
Yeah, I I adore this song so much. There's that middle bit, that like um, mambo-ish section in the middle that reminds me of the cantina from Star Wars. <laughs> and I will never not think of that when I hear this song. But like you can even tell from the beginning, I feel like some recordings of rock and rhythm that we have, that beginning part can sound a little twee, like boop, 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 do, 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 and it sounds a little cute, but this does not sound cute. It comes out hitting hard. And uh, when you hear that, you can't sit down. And so then Carl and I ended up doing a routine to this with a group in San Francisco when we were living there. And it was our, I think it's our favorite routine that we've choreographed to date. And the crew that we did it with was like an incredible group of people who worked super hard and Overall, it was like a really moving experience for me. So that added a layer of depth to my love for this song, which was already so high that it kind of wasn't fair to give this one more weight, <laughs> but it did. Well, then it's only fair that it gets the prime slot on your on your playlist. Yeah, I guess I guess so. It earned it. It worked hard. We're following Duke with more Duke with Satin Doll, which is a complete change of vibe and really cruisy and, and groovy. And I, I really like the contrast between, but I'm curious about where the love comes from. You know, I don't really know with this one. And I've never looked at the lyrics or anything either. I just, the feeling of it is like, um, like you're hip deep in molasses in a dark room. Oh, that's how I feel when this song comes on. It's just like, it's so smooth and I feel like it's really nuanced and it doesn't ever like hit you in the face it's just like subtly there being itself and being so delicious
I find that last note so satisfying. Just the resolution. It's so good. And I love the way that it comes back to the beginning again. And because that beginning feels so good, mm. especially because it pushes the beat a little. That like, dun, dun, dun is not on the one. It's right before it. And so that just like, mm, it's just like so jazzy and cool. Mm. And then it comes back and then resolves at the end. And I just feel so complete. So from groovy jazz to some really tasty kind of Motowny, doo-woppy, solely awesomeness. Mary Wells, you beat me to the punch. What a cracking tune. It's so good. Yeah. And Mary Wells was like pretty baller, if you ask me. She was like one of those first superstars of the Motown sound. And she recorded some songs that Smokey Robinson wrote and like clearly he's stellar but like the voice that she gives to them I just adore and I also feel kind of like Satin Doll that like Mary Wells the way that she sings a song and also the song itself is kind of understated and the way that it like turns around in the end I find like really confident and melancholy and self-aware and poignant and I it just it's like a poking a bruise you know it like feels good but it hurts and you like can't stop did you grow up listening to soul is this something that you stumbled upon when you were a grown person or is it tell me how it came into your life that's a really great question i actually have no idea when i was growing up my sister was listening to rap and r&b and she's six years older than i am and she's like the coolest human that i know so i wanted to be just like her so i would just like you know hear her music through the door or whatever and if she ever listens to this i'm gonna deny it so i grew up listening to her music and my dad liked one album only and that was the rolling stones and my mom listened to like classical music and and so I don't know where the soul came from, but I feel like it was always, I don't remember ever coming to it for the first time. I just remember hearing it and being like, oh yeah, I missed that. So what did I miss it from? Like when was my first introduction? I have no idea. I grew up with a little bit of soul, but it wasn't until I got to university that I kind of understood how much I'd been missing and I wasn't sure if it was one of those songs that you know you go out with your college friends to like your regular spot and it's always on the playlist and you, you like you go through the the circle of oh this song again to oh what a sweet jam to oh I'm so over this to oh yeah but I love it <laughs> well so I didn't really develop friends until college uh that was my first experience and when we would hang out it was like Coldplay and stuff by then it was like a very a pretty white school. And so I feel like the soul and the R&B and the hip hop and the Motown that I love was like not in anyone's brain. Must have had a heart. 
Would you do that song at karaoke? No, I am very conservative in my karaoke picks because <laughs> I'm terrible at choosing. But actually, this song is one of the reasons why I started to learn electric bass so that I could like play along with the things that I love. I mean, ideally someday while I sing along as well, but like no one has to hear me singing along. And uh, it just, mm, chi, mm, chi, mm, mm, chi, mm. it's just like, oh, the rhythm of this is so good. I just, I will never get over the lyrics, the way it goes through like the beginning of the courtship and like, she's too shy. And I was looking at you so hard. You must've had a hunch. You came over to me and asked me my name. You beat me to the punch. And then by the end, she turns it around that like, I beat you to the punch by breaking up with you. And I was like, oh, snap. You go, Mary Wells. Uh, so are you still playing electric bass? Not for the last couple of months, because I decided that doing like two things that I'm pretty crappy at during quarantine was enough at a time. And that more was just going to make me feel like I'm terrible at everything, which is silly, but like, I know my weaknesses. So, so what things are you doing in quarantine? I've gone back to tap which was my first dance love. I've been doing it since I was like five. But then once I discovered Lindy Hop, when I was like 21, 22, something like that, I basically stopped doing ballet, tap, jazz, modern, all that stuff, and was like straight into Lindy Hop. And so recently I started going back home to tap and it feels really good, but also I'm like now in my 38-year-old body, which is not the same as my 10-year-old body. A slight difference. Slightly different. I was also like knee-high to a grasshopper, weighed like 10 pounds soaking wet. (laughs) That is absolutely not who I am right now. And so it's like I intellectually know a lot of the things, and yet I am relearning them. So that is pretty challenging for me, and especially adding like improv into there because it's something that's very dear to my heart. And so it's like even shittier to suck at it than it is with like solo jazz, which I've only been doing since, you know, 2005 or whatever. So it's like, it's very humbling, but really fulfilling at the same time. But that's like a big one. So I didn't want to have another big one that is really important to me that I suck at at the same time. And what's the small thing that you're sucking at? I've been macrameing plant hangers. I don't have enough things to hang in macrame. But I am asking all of my friends, like, do you have any plants you need to hang? I will happily do this for you. Because it is, like, exactly up my alley, making knots in an orderly fashion. That is my jam. Moving on to the next track, which is Oh Honey by Delegation. So I often ask people, what's happening on the desert island while this song is playing? Well, it's definitely nighttime. And... You're with your honey and dancing under the stars and feeling really grateful and magical in this one moment. This this song, I think more than any other that I know, feels really magical to me and really intimate. I'm going to be the asshole and say, I didn't say your honey's going to be on your desert island. I mean, even if they're imaginary, you're still there just... (laughs) With the coconut. Holding the coconut and swaying gently in the sand. (laughs) Because really, that's all you do to the song. You just like gently sway back and forth and just, I don't know, feel. Just feel. Is this part of the I don't know where it came from canon or is it... Do you remember 
I think this is still part of the I don't know where it came from canon. It it has always felt really familiar to me, but I don't remember ever being introduced to it. Okay. That's how you know the music's doing its magic. You don't notice it just like comes in the front door, closes it quietly, takes its coat off, and it's like, oh no, I've always been here. Like, I live here. Yeah, and this one in particular is like, it's just hanging around in the background of the party. You don't know that you've been like exchanging glances for three hours and then it's four o'clock in the morning and like you cannot stop dancing with this one person i miss parties yeah no kidding
Every time I hear it, it doesn't ever get less magical to me. It feels like that first moment when you've like told someone you like them and they've told you they like you and you're like, this moment could not be any more special. How did I get to this moment in time? And I feel like it's a little bit like Satin Doll and You Mean Me to the Punch in that it's like, it doesn't announce itself. Like you were saying, it's just like, it's there and it's like quietly present, but like has gravity to it. You just get pulled in. And the groove is like so gentle. Oh, I love it. Are you a romantic sort of person? I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm big on emotions. Mm. Feeling is vital to me. And probably all the songs on this list are there because they make me feel the most. Even if it's like something that is borderline negative, I, it, they make me feel. So Prince, yeah legend tiny purple ninja who wails on guitar huge catalog what made you pick this one this one was really easy for me this is the song that carl and i had our like not our first dance as a as a married couple too but this is the one that we made all our friends learn choreography to and do with us like a line dance and laura glaze choreographed it for us and there's a lot of songs that i love in prince's collected body of work there's a french word for it that's like five letters long and i cannot pronounce it to save my life so i have to say collected body of work every time it's like o-u-e-v-r-e or something like that like oeuvre oeuvre sure that and when I was doing my master's, I had this problem all the time when I was talking about it with my professors and I'd be like, Jane Austen's collected body of work because I could not pronounce that stupid French word and I refuse to say it poorly. <laughs> I respect your principles. Anyway, so I knew that I had to have Prince on this list, that I could not be on a desert island without him. And this one just... It, it makes me so happy because it reminds me of that moment in my life where Carl and I were getting married, surrounded by all our friends in a beautiful place. And and the song itself, it just feels so positive. And it's not like yearning, I don't feel. I feel like it's just exuberant. And I love it for that. And it's also kind of sneaky. What makes it sneaky? I want to be your lover. I want to be the only one that makes you come running. Mm. Like that just like separation right there you're sneaky mother yeah but also he says i want to be your lover i want to be your mother and your sister too yeah so also that <laughs> sad day for us all when he went on to other things yeah yeah carl and i were pretty gutted and we had missed out on an opportunity to see him when he was in san francisco he was playing this gig at like a pretty tiny club and there was like a 10 o'clock and then like a one o'clock a.m show and like we were like pretty strained in the purse at that point and we just could not justify like $300 a ticket but like in retrospect it was our last chance and we just should have yeah I feel the same about when he came to London I was like I cannot warrant this I try not to have regrets but that's one of them yeah same
I mean, I could watch you sing along to that like all day. That was. It, you love the like stank face that I get, don't you? I I get into it so much. It just it speaks to me so much. Every moment, he's got like such amazing rhythm and the just even his articulation in this song just really like punches me in the gut in the most enjoyable possible way <laughs> love you down by would you say inoj or inoj i think it's inoj tell me about this song i think this is one of the ones from when i was a teenager and i wasn't thinking about R&B or hip hop or like pop music really at the time the stuff that I was listening to was like Carol King and James Taylor and show tunes but my sister had excellent taste in music and I feel like this is the kind of thing that she was playing although she also tended towards like way harder into rap stuff than I was but this song really stuck with me and I didn't even realize it but when I came back around to listening to this stuff like i don't know like 15 years ago or something this was one of those songs that was like this is home this is like so deeply a part of me i didn't even think about it it's like asking a fish what is water or asking a fish how the water is and the fish says like what is water it was just so deep into my sense of myself that i didn't even remember it that's quite an important song yeah, <laughs> it is. And actually, so the first time that I wrote this list out for you, I it didn't come to mind. It didn't come to mind until later when I was looking at it. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do I not have this song on there? It's like integral to who I am. Really 
I think this song is actually a cover of, um, I think Ready for the World did it first. And theirs is slow, like the intro of this one is. And then when this one gets faster, I was like, oh, yes, I'm really feeling this. So good. I, I'm i also a sucker for a song with like changing tempos. And there are some that do it very poorly, but when some do it really well, like this one does, I'm just so captured. It's like there's there's a hook that's just got this song on it. And I'm like, ah, I need that. Ah. Yep, and then I'm flopping into someone's boat, and they're like, oh, no, this one's too small. I'll put it back. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that's not what happens when people catch you as a fish, but yeah, okay. But getting back to back to your list, it's I Want You Back by Rafael Sadiq featuring Tidra Moses. This is not one that I knew when it first came out. I first heard this when Peter was DJing some soul party somewhere, and he and Naomi pulled out this badass line dance that is, to this day, still my favorite. And um, I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I need this song. I need this choreography. Took me like five years of only hearing this song and seeing the choreography once a year before I actually finished learning it. But at that point, I just listened to the song nonstop, just like on repeat for an entire summer. So Spotify at the end of that summer was like, here's what you did this summer, this one song. Thank you, Spotify. Yes, I did. And I'd do it all again, I tell you. I just got so hooked on this song. It's like got this yearning to it. And I can't I can't separate this song from the experience of hearing it. So like the late night soul parties are like my favorite moments in life. Things 
The thing is about that song, there are so many parts of that groove that by themselves would be so compelling, but you layer, there's like three of them on there. There's like the bass and then there's a do, 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 do. And I just, and the um, rhythm also, and just between those three, I am just so hooked. What's interesting about this song is that like, to me, it doesn't sound like 2005 or whatever. It sounds like 1994, maybe, or something like that. And so when I first heard it, I thought that it was like from that time period and I just missed it. And I went up to Peter and I was like, what is that song? And he told me what it was and I looked it up later and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like relatively contemporary, but it has this feeling in it that I can't get over that just brings me back to that time when all I, and maybe it's because of this, because like all I felt during that time was yearning. And this song to me like epitomizes yearning. I have like zero disco or anything on this list, even though after I listened to like Carole King and James Taylor and whatever, then somehow I transitioned into like Billboard Top 100 from 1970, whatever. Don't ask me how that happened. I have no idea. Um, but I I started to love disco during that time and the catchiness of it. This is definitely not disco. The catchiness of it and that rolling feeling that I think you're getting very much reminds me of disco. Okay, now we have a Wild Horses cover by a British indie group actually called the the Sundays. And you mentioned your dad only liking one Rolling Stones album earlier, and does this dovetail with that album? Actually, no. This isn't from that album at all. And I didn't even know that the song was a cover until I looked it up later. It was in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was the first time that I'd heard it. It was like 1999 or whatever. And I was like, what is that sound? And uh, so I found out what it was and I downloaded a couple of albums from the Sundays and I realized that I'd heard some of their other stuff. But this song, this might be one of my like top three favorite songs in the universe. It's just it speaks to me that much. And I think it's probably because of that yearning. And now when I hear the Stones version of this, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, Mick, stop it. <laughs> the Sundays did it better than you. And probably because I heard the Sundays version first, that's always going to be the case. But this one really speaks to me. Also because of the moment in Buffy when it comes up and who I was in 1999. And again, that sense of yearning and desire and like just the depth of how much it makes me feel i just i love to feel what happens when the song is playing i think buffy is either like slow dancing with angel or something like that at the bronze but i know that she's at the bronze and the sundays are the ones who are on stage because they had live acts at the bronze like filming during buffy and and it's at this point in their relationship where it's like the, we care deeply for each other, we shouldn't be together, and that angst, and as like 17 or whatever year old Nicole, I was like, oh, I feel that angst. Oh, I feel that so hard. And once I'd heard the song and I looked up who it was and started listening to a couple of albums, I realized that the the first song of theirs that I knew was Summertime. 
which I also really love. It, it feels like totally different to me. And it's you and me in the summertime going hand in hand down in the park. And just, it feels like a summer day, like in a field of like wild grasses and you can smell them and you're getting like, you're getting like pollen and stuff on your clothes. And that one is really evocative for me too. And I realized that that was the same band after I um, downloaded a couple of albums. And I was like, oh, I need all of this. So that's like, this is what I listen to. This and Joni Mitchell are what I listen to on planes, just on repeat, is the Sundays and like Joni Mitchell. Yeah. You and I both respond like very emotionally to music and feel affection for songs in a similar way. Do you think it's because we were able to see programs that were culturally popular at the time or whatever that were thoughtfully and interestingly soundtracked. Do you think that's had uh, an impact on our musical journey to the point that because of that, we're now both DJs? That's a really good question. I haven't thought of that before. Now that I look back on my like 10, age 10 to like 20 or whatever, so much of the like movies that made a big difference or like TV shows that make it made a big difference to me are like so intrinsically tied with their, with their soundtrack. So like Empire Records is like Carl and my shared favorite movie. The soundtrack to that is killer. It's so good. Romeo and Juliet introduced me to so many great artists and, and that album is just like so well put together. I think I did listen to like mostly soundtracks for, a while and and the connection between that visual and that audio experience and how how the things flow not even like on the screen but like once you just take the soundtrack home to yourself and listen to them in order even if you're like not thinking about the movie or whatever it makes so much sense and i i love i love how it like moves around and like changes things abruptly on you sometimes and eases you into something sometimes. And I think I have always been in awe of that skill. And I think that's actually my uh, DJ kryptonite is I, I still don't think I'm very good at it, but I find it so awe inspiring and I, it makes me want to do that. So I think you might be right. Like it depends what you respond to. Like I know people who really respond to the visual element, you know, and they go into filmmaking cinematography photography stuff like that or people get really into like the books that they read and so like it's just interesting what we become sensitive to when we're at the age when we're receptive to such things and it's it's music and now you know we soundtrack our lives and we help others to do that for brief periods of time when we can when we can being able to do it online is a really interesting challenge though because most people are listening instead of dancing I feel like it really opens me up in a way that I'm not used to. And that's like uncomfortable for me and also kind of exciting. Do you, do you play from a list in a pre, in a mostly pre-chosen order or do you DJ on the fly? I used to prep like five times as much as I would need. And I would put the first half of that in an order and then I would change as necessary. But as I've gotten more comfortable with it, now I queue up like, let's say a hundred songs that I think I might want to play tonight. And in that last five minutes of 
the person before me set or the lesson or whatever, I'll choose my first song. And then halfway through that one, I'll choose like the next two or something like that. So my style has changed a lot in the last mm, probably eight years. Now that I'm more comfortable, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do this on the fly. And, you know, at this point, I feel like I, I know the songs that are in my pocket that I can always go to if necessary. If I, like, get stuck, someone's, like, asking me questions and the song is almost ending and, you know, you have that, like, stressful moment, like, oh, I have to pick a thing, like, go away. I know that I have those in my pocket, so, like, I, I don't have to worry so much anymore. Someone is distracting you. You haven't had the chance to pick a song. You've got 20 seconds. What do you pick? Go. Probably Chinese Talkings. <laughs> Actually, I think that's a lie. I think that I save Chinese Talkings for like special moments in the evening when like the energy, when people are really with you, but like the energy is like more contemplative. I think probably I do like Wailing Interval would probably be one of my go-tos. Mm. But um, anyway, let's... um. Let's have some Sundays.
I was really happy to see Fleetwood Mac on your list. I don't think there's any instance where I don't want to listen to Fleetwood Mac. I really like this track in particular because Stevie Nicks wrote it in like 10 minutes and played it to the gang who were like, uh, and then one of the guys like fiddled around with some chords and made them all like it. And then it went straight to number one in the Billboard chart. Like, And it could never have come about, which I find delightful. Yeah, and this song... I feel like you can't help listening to this song with the context of the relationships in the band at the time. Like you're there with Stevie and you're like, hey, all of us in this band are like having relationships with each other, having them fall apart. And like, we're still there with each other. We love each other deeply. And yet there are these things between us and you just have to like, at some point Stevie learned to be on her own again. And... I think that I like bond myself with people really easily. And I listen to the song a lot at times when I need to remind myself that I am enough on my own.
And we've blazed through to the the final song, which is a great final song voted by NME magazine as the number one indie song to have at your wedding and the best alternative love song of all time. But they did they voted on the best love song of all time in 2009. So they may have changed their position since then. Yeah, I stand by this one. This is another one that I love just for the emotion that it evokes in me. And maybe I shouldn't say this where people can hear it, but this song is actually one of two songs that is the reason why I broke off my first engagement. I heard this song and the other one is Arcade Fire, Ready to Start. And I listened to those and I realized that for the first time in a long time, I really, I felt again. And I forgot what that felt like. (laughs) Um, I forgot what that experience was like and how integral it is for me to like my experience of the world. And I was like, oh, I need to not, I need to not be in a situation where, where I don't feel deeply anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how music can suddenly be like, hey, hey, here is the message. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Would you like to introduce the song? Yeah. So this is Maps by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And I love it. Especially the intro. Listen to the intro and the way it layers.
Uh, such a bold intro and outro. They hang for so long and it's just so poignant. Uh, I love that song so much. It's so good. And it's it stays in your head. It's not what you'd think of as a normal earworm, but like it, it really like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it digs in there. Yeah, I feel like Jackson 5 is like a very easy earworm type thing, but this one just like... Yeah, this one just burrows in there into the middle of your brain where it will never get out. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and we've done. Like, that's the list. Boom. Woo! Yeah, just flew through it. That was super fun. Thank you for sharing these with me. Oh, thank you so much for asking. It was it was very challenging to narrow down this list, but building it up was very fun. I got to be like, ooh, 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 this one. I love that one. And I feel like I learned something about myself during the process, too, about like how important feeling is to me in my music. And that was our episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get hold of Nicole, you can have a go at tweeting them on Twitter, where they are sometimes active, and the username is at ZuckerPunch. That's Z-U-C-K-E-R-P-U-N-C-H. But they're not really active on social media. But if you do want to talk to them one-on-one conversation style about music, dance, stuff like that, then email is best, and you can probably get those details from www.NicoleAndCarlDance.com. You will notice that there is no midpoint advert break in this podcast. So if you'd like to continue for that to be a thing, then please go to patreon.com forward slash Desert Island Jams. You can find us on Instagram. Guess what the username is? Yeah, that's correct. It's Desert Island Jams. Desert Island Jams is produced by me, Sarah Spoon. The music license is kindly sponsored by VoiceSculptor.com. Sarah Asmi, also known as Sasmi underscore design on Instagram, is the magician who whipped up the graphics. Jonathan Stout produced this original music for our soundtrack. Please go to Bandcamp and buy all of his things immediately. Remember, you can find Listen Along playlists on Spotify and YouTube. You just need to type Desert Island Jams into the search bar. If you would like a transcript for this episode, FYI, all of the episodes have transcript, then you just need to follow the link that is in the show notes. Again, thank you for listening and Desert Island Jams will return next month.